it is Feel Good Friday, September 18th. Got a good show for you. Nick Mangold joins us. Joe Thomas joins us. AJ Hawk will be here. We're going to be giving out locks. we got good conversation. We can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to the show. I know there's a lot of things that can penetrate your ear holes. The fact you let us do it, we are eternally grateful. No, grateful for it. You get it. As always, if you enjoy the show, go ahead and tell a friend. You know, a little guerrilla marketing out there. Be a friend, tell a friend. If you don't like the show, just act like it never happened. All right, let's get to it. Joe Burrow threw 61 times and he eclipsed the over-under that everybody had him set at 238 and a half yards. The man who told us to hammer that bet secondary legend in the nfl host of the man-to-man pod ladies and gentlemen darius butler (laughs) oh man you look like you're coming right out like a gaming convention here we got the big headset (laughs) on you got a studio yeah hey darius big night last night for joe burrow ultimately they cover but end up losing to the cleveland browns what did you see out of joe burrow last night that made you think you know what hammer the over he's definitely going to get at least 238 and a half yards uh, like I said, he was coming off playing a, a tough Chargers team up front and in the secondary. I um, felt like Browns have um, way more holes on defense. And, um, you know, it was going to be a short week. So short weeks when, you, when you're going in, you're not putting a lot more in, into game plan. You just got to kind of go out there and play. And I feel like that's kind of when he plays his best ball. Um, but getting out there, I mean, that, that, that O-line, they got to protect him. He's a talented kid. We all see he can be the future. But, um, you know, you got to got to protect him. I thought about luck a couple of times last night when I saw him just standing in there and getting absolutely slaughtered. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't help but think about luck. With by the way, luck used to put our team on his shoulders uh, whenever he was a rookie and a young guy and win us victories. And he absolutely. threw threw like 40, 50 times sometimes, and he was just getting absolutely killed. And it was like, hey, is there? Can we think about maybe keeping this guy around for like maybe 10 years? Maybe can we think about that? And then obviously injuries happen in the NFL and stuff like that. But with what was happening with Joe Burrow last night, just getting his ass kicked, that has to be addressed at some point. 61 pass attempts, that's a lot to put on this dude while he's getting his absolute dick kicked in. I mean, there, there's a lot that has to happen over there in Cincy, but they have to be pumped about what's going to happen going forward. Oh, for sure. It got to be. But um, like you said, you got to protect him, man. And the guys around him got to help him out, too. Because uh, Luck, Luck won a hell of a lot of games for us. But he had, like, you know, A.J. Green got to be like a Reggie Wayne type guy. Yep. You got to have another guy that steps up, like T.Y., Kobe. Like, they had a great class and a great um, group of weapons who, um, you know, held it down for him. Because he was out there kind of sometimes by himself. You saw something similar to Luck as well, taking some hits that were kind of on Burrow. You know, sometimes, sometimes you just got to throw it away. You just got to know when the when the play is over, and you see some of that in him as well. Um, he has that ability to make plays in the open field. It kind of sneaks up on you, like the same way Luck did. So um, you just got to take care of the kid, man. Hopefully, we see him, um, you know, around for 10, 15 years. But, but uh, you know, they got to help him out, man. Uh, sneaks up on you, athletic-wise. That's because they're Caucasian. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tyson Hill doesn't sneak up on you. Come on, we know, we know. Oh, they're early though. He was yeah. uh, sneaky, crafty. hard hat, crafty. Yeah. First one, and last one. Adam hard, hard hat, <laughs> lunch pail guy. Yeah, lunch pail guy. Adam Thielen. What he ran like a four-two or something, and his entire first year, he was just blazing folks down the sideline. They're like, you know what, crafty athlete here, very sneaky <laughs> athlete. It's like, no, 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 that dude is just that's a 
freak athlete right there. You can say good football player, man. I mean, he's one of those guys you just almost forget about. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is because like, who knows? Flacco was the same way. Flacco was like, oh, you see him on film, take off and run. But when you're actually playing against him and he takes off and getting open field, like luck was always moving faster than he looked probably on film. So um, that definitely catches you off guard. It's like, you know, you see freaking little ass Kyler Murray or, or, or Lamar Jackson on film. You see it. So maybe, I don't know. Maybe it is a black white thing. Who knows? Well, hey, listen, I'm not making race into this. You are the. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, hey, Joe Flacco. Joe, did you say Joe Flacco snuck up on you? How fast he was in real life? Yeah, Joe Flacco could roll. He, you know, he was tall, uh, probably steps. about you know six, six probably. What's but once Flacco? he like started striding, he he was moving. Yeah. And I, if you were running next to him, like it's just some guys don't look as fast on film, and then you see him in real life. Okay, like these these guys are really moving. I'm a little a step faster, so um, he was definitely one of those guys. A Rod, A Rod could take off when you get moving. Oh, oh yeah. mm-hmm. and he always smiles too and talks shit to whoever it is. He always gets the edge and he always gets out of bounds. It feels like Aaron. That's like Aaron Rodgers' move. He like he's the sneaky athlete for yeah. real that nobody ever expects him to be able to get to the sideline and gets in there. I would love to be inside your mind when you're running next to Joe Flacco and you're like, this son of a bitch. Lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's hey. moving. Hey. And then it's hard. It's hard tackling uh, guys and quarterbacks, period, in the open field because you never know when they're going to go for the slide. And when they're athletic, it makes it t- like it's, t- it's tough, man. So I mean, it, it definitely pushes you in the bind as a defender, not a good feeling. All right, let's talk about another quarterback that played last night who is athletic, but I think not as athletic athletic is the ones you just mentioned there uh great quarterback baker mayfield though last year every time he got out of the pocket he got caught and he was not being set up well <laughs> at all freddie kitchens i mean was putting him in bad spots on a regular basis last night they changed their offense very very much you could tell that this is going to be a run first offense in the backfield you got a rushing yards champion in kareem hunt already once before nick chubb was leading the nfl in rushing until like week 17 last year uh, last year when derrick henry took it over they bring in austin hooper jack Con- it seems like they're going to be a run first offense which is a good idea in the AFC North by the way it's a good idea but what did you see out of Baker Mayfield last night that made you or maybe made you not think like hey he could be the quarterback of the future for the Cleveland Browns with what he did last night against the Cincinnati Bengals defense who did not look great yeah, that, that's part of it. You know, the defense didn't look great, and that was kind of um, kind of how he got all of us his rookie year. You know, playing well against bad defenses early, and then we didn't see that progression. Um, he's he's getting better. Uh, he's got a better play caller, I think, with Stefanski. You saw a lot of um, Kirk Cousins, Minnesota type things. They started off the game with I think two boots, like first two passes. He went out, rolled out to his left. Had a completion. Next one rolled out to his right. Had a completion. So um, kind of had a defense off balance. And then, like you said, started uh, kind of playing through the run game. Got two bell cars and running back. Uh, we, we all remember who Kareem Hunt was uh, before the incident. Like you said, Chubb was balling last year. So that's the recipe for success in NFL. You can play through that run, um, get favorable matchups on the outside with Odell and Jarvis. Then take uh, you know take advantage of those. And uh, they did a great job of that um, all night. And I, I said like we kind of still don't know. Um, who a lot of these teams are, who a lot of these guys are, um, how a lot of these things are going to work. Because that was, I mean, that was the second time they got out there and played some real football. Um, so probably four or five weeks into the season, we'll have a better idea who's kind of who's who. But he looked good last night. He looked real good. He was throwing a great ball, it looked like. So even the passes that you would think he might miss in the past couple, either last year or last week, the first week, he was putting it on people. Even on the run, he was putting it on people. It was fun to see. And it looked like he was enjoying himself, with, which is a massive part of it. Let's go back to the run game you're talking about, how every team is basically going to be like that. The Chiefs, they, they were feeding CEH. I mean, just feeding. And yeah. they have more weapons than anybody. They have a weapon every single skill 
skill position. It feels like their offensive linemen could play wide receiver if they have to at any point, but they're good there. They just started feeding Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Is there any reason to think against that Chargers defense that Cincinnati stayed in it with that they don't win by 30 this weekend against the Chiefs over the Chargers? Are the Chiefs going to win by 200 points this weekend, you think? It could get ugly, man. Yeah, it I think so. Ugly, too. That, that defense, like you said, got a lot of holes in it. There's so many weapons um, on that Chiefs team. And then you can take, you can sit back and hand it off to Hilaire. And he can he can move those sticks. And if you start to do anything to, like, hey, we got to handle the run game, you got Patrick Mahomes. And like you said, just a uh, sickness of weapons. So um, it, it's, it's, it, it can get ugly. What's the, what's the spread on that game? Eight and a half. The spread's eight and a half. Did you just say a sickness of weapons? That's a dope, dope. That is a <laughs> great phrase. That is a great phrase. Uh, we got a sickness of questions for you over here. Go ahead, Connor. Uh, yeah, Debo, one of the games you've already started to highlight was uh, Patriots at Seahawks. Do you think the Patriots secondary can slow down Russell Wilson, and would you take his over or under in passing yards this weekend? Oh, damn. I got I got, I got to watch more, honestly, to give you a real answer. But, I mean, the thing about Wilson is he's not like a – like Patriots are the best man to make it lock up with anybody. But the thing about Russell is he has that improv he, – he's just a musician. He makes things happen. You can't game plan for it. You can have the perfect rep, but then somebody just breaks. And then the weapons that he has are Metcalf – Lock it like Carson. Like these got these guys get out and make plays. So um, it, it's it's I don't know, man. I'd probably go to over with uh, Russell because I think it'll be a close game and he'll have to be throwing it all game. So probably over. The line has not come out yet for him. So asking you that question was a wild question to be asked because <laughs> if that's a three hundred and fifty, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I don't it, think it's gonna be that. It'll probably be what two ninety something like that. Who knows what it'll be? But I, I do have a question for you as a DB. There, Gilly Lock got two pass interferences last week. On those teams like the Seattle Seahawks, where there's extensions of play and you play the style of a DB or, or corner like Gilly Lock does, is pass interference going to come into play rather large this weekend? You think? Uh, you know what? Pass interference is not that terrible of a call sometimes. You got it, it depends on where you get it because uh, that kind of can mess with receivers sometimes. Uh, you see it happen to Odell um, a lot. Like when guys are beat, like I'd rather just grab you, take that, you know, 15, 20, whatever, but you're not getting involved in the game. You're not hyped. The quarterback's not really feeling good. He didn't hit a 30-yard completion. So as a DB, especially a top-tier DB, I know even Deion, I used to talk to Deion Sanders about – and he would say, yeah, I'll, I'll grab a guy because that – that, that kind of mentally messes with you. So, um, huh. and, and, and Belichick goes in the game like, hey, we're going to do business as business is being done. So, if they're letting you get away with some grabbing, some holding, we're going to do it. And I'm going to throw 30 flags, especially on the defensive player of the year. So, um, hey, you'll, you'll probably see that every every week they're going to be aggressive. They're press man to man team. And um, you got to have that. You got to be sticky. You got to kind of stay connected to guys when you got guys like Russell Wilson who can extend plays. Okay, so that's very interesting to think about because I am a big mental guy. Like, I think if your head's right, you're probably going to play a lot better. And you listen to Steve Smith talk last night before the game, and he was like, they got to get there, or they got to get OBJ involved early. Because if not, he could potentially just kind of check out of this entire thing. That's what wide receivers are, though. Wide receivers need to get their hands on the ball early. They need to be known that they're in the game. Like, that just kind of comes as a part with not every wide receiver, but that is a very known thing. The thought that a pass interference, although it might be 25 yards early, but the stud on their team still hasn't touched the ball, still hasn't really gotten into the game, I never even thought of that until now. Every time I see a pass interference, I'm like, oh, that's a fucking – that's a game changer there. And then it's like yeah, – 
not always a bad thing. I, somebody hit you with a dumb move, you grab them and jog them back to them. Like, hey, you had my ass, but I'll probably get you next time. So <laughs> it can be kind of a win. You know, it, you give up a 15-yard penalty, you give up a 50-yard yard touchdown catch. So, um, now, I'd rather give up that penalty any day of the week. Well, and they can't review pass interferences anymore because Alberto mm-hmm. Riveron couldn't get one goddamn was, call right now. <laughs> terrible. I hated the idea anyway. That was terrible. Terrible no, idea. Throw no, no. I like the idea. I just thought the execution no. was terrible. The The idea was right, I thought. I thought the no. idea. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. We yeah. need to change that damn onside kick. That's the only rule that needs to be changed. I agree. Onside kick needs to be changed. I think there should be some sort of change because last night, I mean, down six. Could a miracle could happen there, yeah. but everybody knew there was basically no shot unless Young Hoku was kicking it. There is no shot <laughs> no of, chance. of an onside kick getting recovered. That is a rule that needs to be changed. But the pass interference review, I think, I, I don't think it was the idea. I don't think it was the concept. I think it was the executioner, and his name was Alberto Riveron, and he ruined it every single time. So, Diggs, you got something for Darius? Darius. Darius, up, how are you? Good, man. You? Hey, you, you gave us that hammer down yesterday. Obviously, yep. th- obviously there aren't over-unders for um, quarterback passing yards yet, but do you think – is there a quarterback this weekend that you see that's just going to absolutely thrive? Um, You got Matt Ryan against the Cowboys, right? Yeah. I think that – I think um, watching the Cowboys last week, it's still – like it's just guys just messing up just – normal things that you wouldn't expect. Like, um, I posted a clip on it with a cover two, just cover two drops. They got, they got young guys at the corner. They got Diggs out there as a rookie. Um, they got two four out there. They got a young guy, young group back down that back end. And Matt Ryan threw for 450 last week. So, um, against a pretty good Seahawks defense. So, um, I would probably, I would probably, whatever his over is, I'd probably go over with Matt Ryan versus that Cowboys defense. All right. So, Darius says even if it's 400 oh. yards, go over. Right? <laughs> when, uh, 398. 398. Uh, Darius, we appreciate you so much for joining us, man. Appreciate you for having me, man. I, are you watching golf back there? You're a big golf guy. I forgot about that. Big golf guy. Come on, US Open. Come on, bro. How's the NHL going? I know you're a big NHL guy as well. Uh, you know, it's uh, something, you know, something had to drop out. You know, <laughs> had to take priority. I got my heat. They're kicking ass. They're up 2 0. Uh, that'll probably be over soon, so um, won't have to worry about that for too much longer. But, um, you know, it's just a lot going on right now. DB, we're in the final. Oh, you just got rid of <laughs> We're in the final. They're about to award the cup here in the next week. It's about to be over. <sighs> Sorry, man. Nick, let me know. Maybe I'll catch a six overtime game after after one of these football games. Oh, yeah, maybe. Get lucky. Ladies and gentlemen, Terry's brother. Thank you, man. So sorry to interrupt the incredible conversation we're having there, but I am here to tell you that it it feels like fall outside. It definitely does. Sweatshirt weather. It's sweatshirt weather, maybe some jeans weather. There's a little briskness to the air whenever you wake up in the morning. Football is in full swing. Here we go. Let's make it a little bit better with a box of awesome from your friends at Bespoke Posts. Bespoke Post only sends guys the best stuff every single month. No matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From styling, grooming goods, to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every single 
part of your life. To get started, you'll take a quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel anytime. Each box only costs 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. Quick math, you're already saving 25 bucks on every single box of awesome that's going to show up at your house like Christmas happens every single month with stuff from all around the globe that you would never buy yourself, but they find and it fits into your life perfectly right now you'll get an extra 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code america at checkout that's box of awesome see i just got a text and my box of awesome just showed up that's boxofawesome.com code america for 20% off your first box box of awesome gifts coming to you every single month from you that are awesome back to the show Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about, ooh, some wingies, eating some wingies, drinking some brewskis, from what I've been told, the founder of 74 Barbecue, a man who's a New York Jets legend, Ohio State legend, and his beard looks even better than it has before, ladies and gentlemen, Nick Mang. How's it going, buddy? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Beautiful introduction. Oh, thank you. You deserve it. Right down here in the front of the desk. Still got it. Okay. Still, still got it. Love it. And this is I'm the, with you. This is the OG barbecue sauce, which is sweet with a little heat. I know the uh, flavors are named after your kids. And I will tell you this, Nick Mangle, let's just lead off with this. If the Jets win more than four games, I'll drink an entire bottle of this. <laughs> is that a deal? That's a deal, yeah. In one sitting? Uh, I won't chug it because I, I said during the break here to the boys, I was like, if the Jets win four games, I'll chug this. And then <laughs> our friend Zito here, who wow. might have chugged a bottle of barbecue sauce before, <laughs> actually said, have you ever chugged barbecue sauce? You shouldn't do that. So I'll drink it in. I won't chug it, but I will drink it in a setting. Yeah. Okay. Um so the, what's my? Uh, you're just going to do that then? <laughs> well, you would have to do something if the Colts end up winning probably ten games, which I'm assuming they're going <laughs> to. Uh, start off a little slow against the Jaguars, but maybe eight games if the Colts win. Uh, let's split the difference and go nine. Okay. Oh, okay. So Ooh, Colts, fair. if if the Colts win nine, you will chug a bottle of your own barbecue sauce or drink a bottle of your own barbecue sauce. And if the Jets win four, I will drink a bottle of '74 barbecue made by Nick Mangold. Well, now see, now I'm scared. Why? <laughs> Why? <clears throat> well, what if what if both happen? Oh, oh, we're doing it together, and we'll stone cold them too. By the way, we will. <laughs> yeah, bam, bam, bang. Yeah, we'll do the whole thing if we got to do it. Let's talk about your Jets, though, Nick. The internet mm-hmm. was a buzz about how bad the New York Jets are at football. Adam Gase was at football. Mike Greenberg laid out an entire case against Adam Gase there for a little bit. As a New York Jet legend. New York Jet Diplomat. What is your state of the fair? Hey, it's just week one, too. Can we relax a little bit? Is that what you're thinking? That's what I'm thinking. I, I, I think the biggest thing that I saw uh, from this was the offseason, right? There was no offseason. So now you're putting in five new starters on the offensive line. You got a lot of new pieces. You have no time together personally. You, virtually you can do things, but you're not getting that same connection. And then your training camp was shortened. You had no preseason games. You didn't have time to get into uh, you know, the nuances of how things go during a uh, during a real game. And so the week one, you know, it, they didn't do well. Um, but I've been saying since the start of August that uh, week one and two are going to feel like the third preseason game this year. 
and then the season will get started. Uh, how important as legendary center, I think a lot of people would think Nick Mangold whenever they think of the center position. Um, how important is it for the offensive line to be a unit? And now I've gotten a chance to watch a couple great offensive lines. I've got a chance to watch some bad offensive lines. And just like the rest of the team, it feels like the tighter the unit is, the better they are. Almost like in the NFL, everybody has the capability to potentially block somebody. But I feel like the, the closeness of the group is more so the most beneficial thing. Is that accurate or fair? I think that is uh, 100% accurate. Uh, that's why you're the smartest person in the business. Hey! Uh, hey! Yeah! You look at uh, you look at an offensive line, and you're exactly right. When you have a strong offensive line uh, that's cohesive, that's working together, that uh, hangs out together, that does stuff together, you're going to notice that that team is probably going to be better uh, than any team that has an offensive line that kind of does their own thing, um, are don't really know each other all that well. So. One of the big things that I always did, uh, you know, learned it from the older guys when I got in and carried it through was like, I would always have a barbecue at my house, bring the guys together, let them hang out outside of the building um, in a relaxed atmosphere and just kind of learn about it because you're going to play a lot harder when you know somebody's backstory, um, you know, what goes on with their family, what goes on uh, at their home, uh, what they're playing for and, you know, vice versa. That because that is, you guys are going in. Obviously, it is nothing to do with actual life or death on the line. But the offensive line is going to war each each week. That is, as we are a unit, okay, and we are going to hand to hand combat against some of the best athletes that have ever been created. And we got to protect our guys, and we got to move the rock. If you're the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line, after what now? Granted, sixty one pass attempts is going to be difficult to protect for, even if the the guy holds onto the ball a little bit. But if you see your guy getting killed, like Joey. Burrow was getting killed and I immediately thought about luck whenever luck was a rookie in his first couple years when he was just getting slaughtered what is your statement to each other the next day or do you think you say to the coach like hey if you're going to give us 61 pass attempts like there's a chance that this guy's going to get killed because you're not giving us a chance to even drive at all exactly and I think that's what we did with uh, Sanchez uh, his rookie year um, 09 you know we rushed the ball I think we were one of the top five rushing teams in the NFL ever that season because we knew that we had to protect the quarterback and we knew that he could make the throws, um, but everything was predicated on the run game and play action. And, you know, I think 61 time passing attempts, uh, we always used to joke that you're putting on your dancing shoes um, <laughs> and you, you got to be ready because you're going to be on skates all day. Um, and it's difficult. It's tough. And you hate seeing your guy get hit like that. Uh, but you also hate being behind and having to throw like that to catch up. Baker Mayfield, they ran the ball a lot last night for the Cleveland Browns. And that offensive line was a problem last year for the Cleveland Browns, but also play calling was an issue. And I think it all kind of goes hand in hand. But 23 pass attempts, two rushers for like 215 or 219 yards or something like that. That's a real recipe for success for anybody, let alone the Cleveland Browns who are trying to find an identity at the moment. Yes, except for my fantasy team that was going up against the uh, <laughs> the Cleveland run game there. So, um, yeah, you know, I think when you can pop off that many yards in the run game uh, and allow your quarterback to take um, accurate and well-timed throws, uh, you're going to win a lot of games. Hey, when you're fighting with somebody hand-to-hand combat style, are you talking while you're fighting? Like, take that! Take that! Take that! No, I was too tired. Uh, that's why I never got into trash talking, never got into, you know, in the middle of plays. Uh, I know a lot of guys enjoyed it, but for me, it was just trying to catch my breath and uh, get ready for the next one. Hey, don't die. I, I, me too, by the way. After every punt, I was so tired. Hey, Nick, uh, you're not in the building anymore, <laughs> per se, but if you had to guess, which week are the Jets going to fire Adam Gase? 
I think uh, so far from what I've seen, you know, Christopher Johnson seems to be backing him pretty really? strong. So uh, I might take the over on whatever you're picking. Hmm, week four. He is in an interesting <laughs> spot because I don't know if you heard what Greeny said yesterday. I mean, Greeny, Greeny has a stat guy named Hembo, okay? And Hembo is the best stat person I've ever seen in my life. I've seen him operate. He is just a wizard. And the picture they painted about Gase's failures is just it's a loud one. And in New York, that type of shit can get deafening. I would assume Gase is looking for that team to win games much quicker maybe than anybody else in the Jets world at this point. Uh, yeah, probably him. And then I think number two is probably his wife. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would assume. Um, so I, and she might be above him. So, uh, yeah, you know, wins cure all. Um, and so it's going to be a tough task against the 49ers this week, um, you know, up against that defense. So. Uh, I, I'm hoping we don't fall into a hole of 0-2, um, but, you know, it's a, it's a real possibility. Nick, when your offensive line's banged up, like, uh, for the for instance, the Packers is right now, how long does it take for those guys to feel comfortable uh, on the line, especially if they're maybe playing out of position? Yeah, you know, out of position is always difficult because, you know, everyone's like, well, you're a guard, you can play right and left. And you're like, well, you know, you don't wipe with your right hand and then all of a sudden wipe with your left hand. <laughs> um <laughs> And so it, it's challenging, but, you know, that's why you need to have a full core group of guys that are able to, to play with each other. Um, so that way, when someone does go down, the next man can stand up uh, and get the job done. And the other four guys trust that he's going to do it. Is it the foot? Is it the footwork that is the hardest or is it just everything? Just thinking backwards on mirroring everything. Yeah, you know, if you switch sides, uh, that's why it was nice for being a center. Um, I didn't have to worry about sides because I had both sides. Um, but you, you watch people go from right guard to left guard or left guard to right guard, and they'll come out of their the huddle, and you watch it on the film, and you see them putting down the wrong hand to start and have to correct themselves. Um, so it's just something that's been ingrained in you. And then, by the way, if you're thinking about that, you're not just not thinking and reacting and playing. So, I mean, it's there's there's an entire mental fuckery that could potentially come into that as well that kind of doesn't free you up to play well. Exactly. If you're thinking about, well, crap, what side am I on this play? Uh, now you're not thinking about, A, the play, um, B, the defense you're going against, C, the defensive tackle that you're going against. Um, so everything kind of has to fall in line. You said you, for the Jets, you guys had a very run-heavy team, and we played you guys a lot whenever Sanchez was young. I uh, got a chance to watch your team operate. It was really cool to see the Jets be great uh, for the first time in a long time and since then. I mean, it hasn't really happened. But if you were to play for a quarterback like Cam Newton, for instance, like what he's been able to do up there with New England, and they only had him pass the time 19 times. I assume we're going to see a lot more of that on Sunday night against the Seattle Seahawks, a lot of Cam. What would what – would, what is changes as an offensive lineman with like a Cam Newton back there as opposed to a potential uh, stand-in-the-pocket quarterback? What does that change for the offensive lineman? I assume it makes your life easier. Um, I say it's a double-edged sword. I think it makes your life easier because he will uh, get you out of bad plays. You know, if you, you let a guy slip up, he can escape and make something happen. Um, but at the same time, having a, a guy that drops back to seven yards – um, and plants and throws, you know exactly where he's going to be, and you know exactly where you need to block your guy to make oh. sure uh, he doesn't get him. So um, while I, I really think it's the double-edged sword, it's good and bad. 
So maybe the offensive line like Tom Brady more. <laughs> oh, that's what I just heard. That's, I just heard that from I'm, Nick Mangle. Yeah, I think I said that, right? Yeah, yeah, we did hear it. <laughs> we heard it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, am I a source now? Yeah. Yes. Nick Mangle, the formerly of the New York Jets, says that the offensive line hates playing for Cam Newton because they don't know where he's going to be. Nick, how much easier is life for the O line and especially the center now when they go into away stadiums and there's no crowd noise? Oh, it's huge. You know, not having to worry about um, you know the deafening noise. You know. Um, and not mentioning him because I'm on this show, but when we played the Colts um, in the playoff game in 2009 that we lost, um, mm-hmm. the AFC Championship game, yeah. I remember uh, standing there next to my left guard, Alan Fanica. Uh, you might have heard of him. Um, should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Shocked he hasn't uh, gotten in yet. And uh, we're standing this close to each other and screaming. We can see our mouths moving, and you couldn't hear a thing. And, you know, that makes the communication wow. like unbelievably hard because you just have to know what he's going to do without being able to say anything. Colts fans did that? Colts fans did that. Okay. Oh, How much noise are they pumping in? Whoa. He's, oh. oh, my. That's bullshit. You gotta he, ask. That's, uh, he you was, gotta ask. No, you don't. You got to ask the hard questions, too. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't even have to ask those questions. All I mean, right. take it easy. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, that was the old dome. That was Lucas Oil. Alan Fanica is like, what, 135 pounds now at this point or something like that? Uh, dripping wet, I think so. <laughs> that's um, absurd. He, um, he, lost, he lost 100 pounds in about... I want to say it was six or eight months, um, and he started running marathons and stuff. And I remember I, the first time I saw him uh, was down at his sister's wedding, and I hadn't seen him since he lost all the weight. I'd seen pictures, but you know, it, nothing does it justice. And we're sitting, we got in late, flight was delayed, coming out of New York, go figure. Um, and <laughs> we get in, so we have to go straight to the church, and we're sitting there in the pew, and everything, everyone stands up, and you know, everyone comes in bride and everything and we're getting the thing going i go i didn't see al come in next thing you know you know i see i finally see him he's sitting up there and i was like that looks like him but i don't know (laughs) and then finally got to see him at the reception and he comes up and as soon as he talks and you see that he still has he's six six so he's a tall dude he's still got a head for a six six man he's still got the hands of a six six man um but he's got the body of like a frail uh, teenager. Oh. <laughs> Marshall Yonda had the same type of post career uh, as Alan Fanica. He kind of disappeared on his bikes and all that stuff. Let's go back mm-hmm. to the communication that you referred to because I see some centers do it. Sometimes it's a quarterback's job. You're the quarterback, always call out the mic. I always thought that centers sometimes do that exact same thing for people. I- I- am I wrong whenever I assume that, or does that just not happen anymore? It's all quarterback's job. It, it all depends on the system uh, and what the what the coordinator wants done. Um, sometimes, you know, for my career, most of my career, I was doing it when I first got in the league. Chad Pennington, um, you know, smart as whip quarterback, he would point out the mic and kind of took care of those duties. But then, um, once I got a little further into my career, uh, it was it, it started to become my job, and so I did it to take. Especially once Sanchez came around, I did it to take the pressure off of him. Um, so that way he didn't have to worry about all the, the protection stuff up front. He could just worry about coverage and everything. Um, and so it just kind of ran with it there. So it, it varies team to team. 
Um, and it varies, you know, center to quarterback. Some guys can do it and some some guys can't. Yeah, some centers are a weapon. And some centers are a lot more active than other centers. You can watch it in the game, stand the ball up on its tippy toe or a tip so you can stand up higher, blah, 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 blah. And it's a, it's a very interesting. And then some guys just don't, they turn their head and they snap. It. It's, just, it's very, the, the job description is very interesting depending on which place it is. And I would assume that's talent and not talent. And that's why you're a seven-time Pro Bowl or three-time All-Pro. What do you got, Connor? Yeah, Mangled, if you're Jason Kelly, uh, Jason Kelsey, the center for the Philadelphia Eagles, and you have a rugby player playing right tackle, are you telling your right guard every single play to go help him? Uh, well, I'm not telling him to go directly to him. I'm saying, hey, help me first and then go to him. <laughs> um, but, you know, definitely keep your eyes that way. Oh. But there's so many ways to protect that person if they want. Tight end chips, running back chips. I mean, there's a lot of ways to protect that so you don't get exposed. It felt like the Eagles did none of that in the second half last week against uh, the Washington football team. They made a big comeback. But whenever you lose three people in your offensive line in two weeks, that's going to be a tough hill to climb for anybody, including the Philadelphia Eagles, who have a great quarterback in Carson Wentz. And they have Aaron Donald this week. Oh, my. Wait, oh. did you ever play against Aaron Donald? Yeah. What? What? what is, is he just – is he the most unique pass rusher or D lineman that you've ever faced? Oh, no, I dominated him. Um, <laughs> that, that's a quote. Uh, what, makes him, uh, what makes him special is the fact, like, you think Aaron Donald, a defensive tackle, has to be uh, this big, huge presence. But when you see him, I mean, I think he's like 6'1", uh, maybe like 297. And he is he's strong as an ox and quick as a fox. Um, oh, and it, it's something that Mars? is watching uh, watching him and playing against him. Like it, It's amazing. Hey, we got some questions from some callers for you. Do you mind if we take those? Sure. All right, let's go to Joe in Wisconsin. Joe in Wisconsin. Nick, talking about bench press. After you get drafted, do you ever bench like you do in the combine anymore? Or do you kind of just stop that, work to maintain, after you get your second contract, do you stop? How does that strength progression work for you once you become an NFL player? Great question, Joe. I never did bench, and it's obvious if you ever saw me take my shirt off. I'd assume, though, for the combine, you had to do the 225 press. Did you ever try that again after the combine and after your pro day? No, never. Um, and that's what's crazy about the combine. They have the 225 bench press. You train for it. Um, and, and then you never do it again. And there's no maintaining in the NFL. Um, if you're not getting better, you're going to get left behind. Um, so you keep grinding uh, and trying to get that bench up, but it goes away from trying to do multiple repetitions to doing four to six reps um, and increase the weight as you go. Isn't your sister a power lifter? Yeah, she's an Olympic weightlifter. So your family, I would assume, has been hitting the weights ever since you're like a kid. Have you been a big, were you a big gym rat, obviously, your entire life? Um, not till high school. My parents didn't really let me lift weights before high school because, you know, I guess they thought it would uh, be a detriment to, you know, how the body builds. Um, so I started in, in, um, in high school, um, and I was never really the strongest guy out there. Uh, but my college coach, Jim Bowman, always had a good thing when I got there in freshman year at the Ohio State University. Um, that, playing playing you know, football. Don't football. compare yourself to What's that? The Ohio State is playing the football like everybody else this year, by the way. Big news, big news. I'm sorry. Yeah, Big Ten, baby. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Yeah, yeah we play. Hey, we play football over here. Yeah. Big Chad. Let's go. <laughs> Sorry about that. Your strength coach. Yep. Let's go there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so he said, um, <laughs> you know, I don't want you ever to compare yourself to somebody else because I was coming in after Charles Bentley, mm-hmm. um, and that ma- that man's a massive man, uh, big big bencher, and he was like, don't compare yourself to anybody else. Con- compare yourself to only you. As long as you keep getting better, uh, you'll be all right. And so that's that's kind of what I maintained through uh, my whole career. What was your big uh, lift? Was bench your big lift? No, I, I was a crappy bencher. I was a squatter. Oh. I got big old birthing hips. Hey, put that thing <laughs> on my back and let these hips go to work. Uh huh. Yeah, I can just I can squat all day. Uh, let's go to Jonathan in Germany. Jonathan, guten tag, my friend. Guten tag. How you guys doing? Uh, Good. How you doing? It's near. I'm doing great. Can you get Jimmy? I don't know German enough. <laughs> Nine. What do you want to talk about, brother? <laughs> hey, um, how many times? And this this one's straight up for uh, for Nick. How many times is Sam Darnold going to get smashed this upcoming weekend? Because he is not going to be looking so good after the game with the 49ers. That 49ers D-line is, last year they were a weapon. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Kyler Murray made them look a little bit different, but Sam Darnold is the type of quarterback that that 49ers D-line likes to just beat the hell out of, though, Nick. You have to have a little bit of fear for the guy. Yeah, I mean, uh, first off, happy Oktoberfest. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey. yeah. Probably can't do it, but the mind yeah. in the mind mind it's a mindset yep um but yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a heck of a challenge and that's why you know i was really hoping for a win uh against buffalo um because I, i'm i'm concerned about this game uh with that defense um i hope that they've had a great week of practice because it's gonna be a 60 minute battle um that i hope they can get out of uh, let's go to Ben in Boston. This is the last question for you, Nick. We can't thank you enough for joining us today. I assume these humans that are asking you a question from all around the world oh, yeah. are thrilled about it. Ben, what do you want to talk about? Hey, boys, what's going on? I appreciate you taking my call. Um, Nick, I got a question for you, just you know, being an outsider looking in. Uh, these young quarterbacks like Sam Darnold, Joe Burrow, even Deshaun Watson, um, you know, they have the capability to make their own plays and stuff. But just from an offensive line perspective, you know, I'm sure there are different techniques coming up that coaches have, have, you know, taught you growing up through the years. And I want to know, you know, why is it, what is your opinion on why guys like these young quarterbacks are struggling um, to get protected? Is it a system thing or is it just a bunch of different techniques that were brought up through the years that they're having a hard time adjusting to a new system? Great question, Ben. They say there's an offensive line shortage in the world right now with the way college football is played. Do you agree with that? Is that off of Ben's question there? Yeah, no, that works in perfectly. I think one of the biggest issues that you see in the NFL today um, is the college game. And, uh, you know, let's be honest, the the college game is the NFL uh, feeder system. Um, And without the NFL having an input to what the colleges are doing, um, colleges are dumbing down the offense and dumbing down offensive line play. Uh, And so when guys get to the NFL, it's almost like they have to, to learn a whole new, not even system, but a whole new philosophy of how to block and how uh, plays are designed. So um, that puts a offensive lineman in a struggle. And then B, you know, at the same time, these new quarterbacks coming in, you know, the NFL is such a a business that, you know, it takes time. That's why the older experienced quarterbacks like your Ryan Fitzpatrick's can do so well for so long um, and stick around because he knows, he knows all the defenses, all the protections, um, and his mental capacity is able to, to handle it all. Um, when you're coming out, your head's spinning. 
Um, and it's difficult uh, to try to understand, you know, what the guys are doing up in front of you to protect you, but then also what the guys are doing for the routes. Um, and so it, a lot goes into it. And that's why, you know, younger quarterbacks uh, typically, you know, take a couple of years uh, to get used to the game. Uh, and really shine. Well, that's why whenever I decided to play NFL quarterback, I lined up 15 yards from line scrimmage. Yep, smart, mm-hmm. smart. You know what I mean? Smart, give myself yeah. a little bit more space there. So if anything happens. Gave you I'm, more time. Yeah. You, you can see the field. Yeah, I can see the field. I got it out quick, obviously, because the snap's a little bit slower. It's yeah. Gonna, yeah. But you got to make up in the back end what you're losing in the front end, you see? Mm-hmm. And that is simple yep. math. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep, yep, you see? You see that? Yep. You, you chop off I the end. That. To find the head. There we go. Now we're playing a game. Uh, Jets win four games. I'll drink some OG barbecue sauce, sweet with a little heat from 74 Barbecue, which is Nick Mangle's mm. barbecue sauce. If the Colts win nine games, you will do the same. We can't thank you enough for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Seven-time Pro Bowler, legend in the NFL, All-Pro Nick Mangle. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Always a good time being with you. Now your face looks thin, by the way, kind of Fanica-ish. Uh, I'm working on it. I'm nowhere near that, and I'm definitely not running any marathons, but I'm trying. <laughs> Running has always been punishment, by the way. I, I never understood how right? people get into it. My entire life, if I fucked up, they'd go run. Yeah, go run a lot. And my mindset, I think, would never be able to change. Anyways, Nick Bangle, thank yeah, you, buddy. Sorry to interrupt once again, but everyone always talks about how important it is to get a good night's rest. But following that advice can be difficult. That's why the folks at CBDMD created CBDPM to help you get the rest you deserve and feel your best every single morning. CBDPM blends 500 milligrams of superior CBD with sleep-promoting ingredients like melatonin, valerian root, chamomile to create a powerful and effective sleep aid so whether you're up late with the kids pets or existential dread you can turn to cbd pm and get the rest you need to handle anything that comes your way like 2020 am i right (laughs) yes you are (laughs) am i right (laughs) (laughs) i started using cbd pm uh, because everybody knows that my mind is an active one i would find myself either either watching terrible television trying to fall asleep, but then I would start analyzing the television I was watching, and then that just kept me in a cycle of staying up for hours and hours and hours. Or I'd lay there in the darkness with no sound, wondering what the hell's going on with my life, and the brain just would never stop going. So instead of worrying about how I'm gonna fall asleep each night, CBDMD actually sent me CBDPM, and they said, give this a go. For me, it was a drop that I would put underneath my tongue, it had a mint flavor, and then 30 minutes later, I was out like a light. Like, like a, a light. light. Slept through the flight because out like a light. You get it. CBDPM is something that is a game changer if you're like me and have a tough time falling asleep and you're getting a bunch of CBD in your life so the next morning you wake up feeling even better than you did when you went to bed. Once again, CBDMD.com, promo code McAfee, you'll get 25% off your purchase. Holy shit. CBDMD.com. Promo code M-C-A-F-E-E. You'll get 25% off your purchase of high-quality CBD oil products from CBDMD. They don't just have CBD PM. They have high-quality, superior CBD in a lot of different forms. They have a rub that I put on my muscles when I'm sore. They have the drop that puts me out at night. CBDMD and I are a nice tag team to making me a better me, and I think they'll do the same for you. Let's get back to the show. You hear the tone has changed a little bit because 
We got a linebacker join us with the <laughs> the best jawline in the history of sports. <laughs> Super Bowl champion, national champion, AJ Hawk. Yeah! Let's go! Let's go, AJ! Uh, What's up, guys? We've had back to back guests here from Centerville, Ohio, and I'm not 100% sure how I feel about it. We just talked <laughs> to your guy, Nick Mangold, about how. The offense over there in Cincinnati uh, that had Joey Burrow throwing the ball 61 times in a game last night is one that could probably be a little bit difficult for any offensive line to protect him, especially if that's how you're going to do things. What is your biggest takeaway from the game last night, Mr. A.J. Hawk? Well, I mean, I, I don't think there'll be another time this season where Joe Burrow throws 61 passes. Hey, we don't know. Zach yeah. Taylor was never yeah. called plays. He hasn't called plays since he was coaching a high school team, pal. You're right. I mean, I guess he was he was consistently trying to kind of stay in that game, I guess. So that's why. And the fact that Joe True. looks so good throwing the ball. Like, he just True. looks cool, calm. He looks like he's in control and he gets the ball out of his hands. He like takes what the defense gives him. That's what makes Joe special, I think. A lot of those third down conversions, he's going to take the easy. He knows where he's going with the ball. Before the snap, I feel like. And fourth down conversions. I mean, last yeah. night on fourth down, I think he was perfect or whatever. The The thing that I, I've been saying that I enjoyed most about Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow just never seems like a moment is too big for him. Like National champion. I saw him at the SEC championship before the game even started. I saw him. They just close up on his face down there at the Sphincter Stadium in uh, Atlanta, whatever it's called. Yeah, Mercedes-Benz. Mercedes-Benz thing. They had it, and it was on a Jumbotron on a TV in this really nice suite we were in, Fox. Hey, hey no big deal. It doesn't get much better. Anyways, we got in the suite very early because it had air conditioning and it was 4,000 degrees down there in Georgia. And we were walking around in jorts in a suit or whatever. But when we were in there, I'd never been in a suite before that early in a game ever. Never been there. They had everything that was going on on the field. So like. I thought back to with the pre-warm-up when I was punting. They were probably just blasting my face into these suites where people were potentially at. And who knows what I was saying? They were zoomed in on Joe Burrow's face very tight on this TV that was in the suite I was in. And this is three hours before the game. He just got there. He had his headphones on, and he just looked as if it was just another. This is the SEC championship game. Before this season had started, now granted, I know everything changed during the season. He was just a projected fifth-round draft pick. And here he is in the SEC championship game, and he just looked so cool, so calm, so comfortable. Then national championship. I do that mega cast where I'm just roaming around the field for the entire time with a microphone live on ESPN two. And I'm within a foot and a half of Joe Burrow during a warm up for the national fucking championship game, biggest game that you could potentially be in or whatever. And he just seems so confident, just like so relaxed, the whole thing at halftime going into half, he gets his ribs shattered. I think <laughs> he comes back out. It just, it, this seems to be a trend with him is where he always feels comfortable. And last night there was more than one occasion where I thought the Bengals were going to get blown out like I thought okay they're down two scores this is the type of situation where the quarterback will have a stupid turnover this is where something will happen where they'll get they'll just completely lose it and that never happened with Joe Burrow and I think that is why Joe Burrow is going to be so good is because he just has that confidence he's that competitor he's never going to quit and it feels like he makes the right decision and no moment's too big for him I like him a lot but 61 times is going to get his ass killed back there no matter who's back there I mean, Joe took some shots, too. But going back to what you were saying, like, like the national championship, how he handles it so cool, I felt like his whole senior season at LSU, he came out of the gate so hot. I'm like, all right, eventually this guy's got to cool off, right, at some point. And, no, he never did. He got into the college football playoff, nothing. It was like, hey, yeah, this is what we do. It's like seven on seven out here. I'm going to go. Remember the very first play of the national championship game that got called back? Yeah, shot, right? 
Did he, didn't he scramble all over and then took a shot deep? Yeah. yeah. It got called back for some reason. I do believe, yeah. I don't remember that. But I do remember, I think he also took a shot in suck hole, too, a couple of oh, times. Yeah. Like, he'll oh, stand yeah. in there. You know what I mean? Like, he will stand in there, which is not great news if you're a Bengals fan because I watch a quarterback that would just stand in there and eat <laughs> – just eat helmets, and it did not work out in the long run, but he gave us a lot of electrifying football. That AFC North is going to be problematic, though, for them for the next couple years. Long time. Long time, so they're going to have to get it going quickly. Who knows if Zach Taylor is the guy or not. Uh, Did you ever hit a quarterback in your career where you thought you maybe killed him? I can't say I have. That Kirk, would Kirk, that Kirk, would feel Kirk, so Kirk, good. Kirk, but Kirk, no, Kirk. they protect him so well. That'd probably be a hefty fine if I did think the guy was dead. The boys here said you Kirk Herbstreit whenever yeah. you were a sophomore yeah, in high school, yeah. whenever the alumni game happened where the Tired. people who graduated from Centerville High School would come back and play in a full padded scrimmage, <laughs> even up to the ages of 30, against the high school football team. And mm-hmm. Kirk Herbstreit, who went to your high school, was the quarterback, and he was like 30 years old at 30. the time. And uh, you went ahead and hit an illegal CTE yeah. shot to mm-hmm. his chin, yep. retired him and the game in the same thing. You didn't think at that point you potentially killed the voice of college football? at that time so first off this was like going into my sophomore year in high school so there's no there's no helmet to helmet rules back then oh jeez oh, oh, okay oh, dr will smith hadn't come out yet yeah. you're right i mean back then like yeah i would have got annihilated by my coaches everybody if i didn't try if i didn't get kirk on the ground and with the angle i was at his his chin jaw combo neck just happened to be right there in my sights <laughs> <laughs> how old are you 13 yeah. 14 years old how old are you at that point where you're trying to was, assassinate a man i was 14 i believe yeah the jaw was the same though. how hard was that whenever the rules did change by the way whenever because you hear old school coaches defensive-minded coaches they go hey you don't just tackle the guy to the ground you tackle him through the ground and then all of a sudden football changed one day just everything just changed the nfl was like hey we're launching an initiative called heads up football those are in the nfl what we used to lead into commercial breaks and come out of commercial breaks with as highlights these monster hits we used to sponsor actual segments that were about people getting head-to-head shots and killing people want to let you know now you'll get fined a couple hundred thousand dollars if you do any of that change the way you play football your entire life you're gonna have to do it or you're gonna get run out of town what was that like like that change, that transition into a strike zone as opposed to a, hey, get the guy on the ground. And if you do knock him out, when everybody used to celebrate for it, now you will get fined for it immensely. Was that a tough, difficult thing to change? Yeah, I don't know like the years that all the, the different rules went into effect, but I came in the league in 2006. And I do remember the shift when it started to where, hey, they're starting to find people like for if you hit a guy too high or whatever, but they weren't throwing flags. So when they were just finding you, you're like, yeah, this sucks, but I'm not going to change the way how I play until it gets really out of hand, I guess. When they when I they started throwing flags, when guys would have those questionable hits on the quarterback and it would give them a first down, it's third and long or something, and you're in a tight game, and it gives them an automatic first down, that's when I started to really take notice. I'm like, oh, okay, now you can't just hurt yourself individually in your bank account you can hurt your team by giving them first downs and extending drives that's when i think it kind of made the shift was it hard though was it hard to change that from yes. always leading with your hel- like literally being taught hey you take crown of your helmet and you go right under their chin like I-, I am the punter the kicker nobody 
has ever really taught me how to tackle, but there's been a couple coaches who have told me what they would like me to do, and I've been told and have heard many coaches say, throw my football, you take the, the crown of your helmet right here and you put it right under their chin right there. You go ahead and send a message if you have to. Yeah, and I'm like, up. yeah, you got it. I'm gonna fuck, well, first of all, I'm, I'm gonna try not to get run over, but if I do get a chance to lay a shot on somebody, which is low, I will try to take their head off. I will, I will try my best. And then it changed completely. It was like, hey, remember, heads up now when you're going with the shoulder, lean with the shoulder. And guys started double guessing and like thinking of what they were doing. And then it almost became even more dangerous because guys were taking out people's knees. That was quite a transition process there. But I think we're at the point now where everybody that's in the league, basically, or majority of people that are in the league, they played high school with the heads up football rules and everything like that. But it was a little bit of a process there where you old killers had to really transition into new players. Well, safeties, the ones that guys that are running like full speed, 20 yards across the field, and they have to somehow adjust their strike zone when they're just trying to find a way either to get the guy down or to cause a get a PBU. That's what I think was so tough for those guys. And then, of course, guys rushing the quarterback. Like, what are you supposed to do? If you work so hard, you finally get there. How do I find a way to get him down and not get a flag thrown? Clay Matthews. Yes. Got, yeah. Clay yes. Matthews yeah. got like seven flags thrown. First three in. weeks. <laughs> game was over. They tied because of it. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. no. Happened again in overtime. Happened at the end of regulation and then again in overtime. According to my sources, Clay Matthews said, I will not be playing this year. <laughs> Have you talked to him? Why hasn't he come on the show yet? Is he going to play? Is he waiting for somebody to get hurt? Maybe back half of the year? Have you talked to him since the last time we had him on here where he was saying he's kind of figuring out what he wants to do still? Yeah, he, he definitely wants to still play. He never said he wasn't going to play. I think he's a bit annoyed by how the whole situation went out. When, yeah, was it Schefter is the one who said? Yep. Yeah. So my sources told me Clay, he, he's done. He doesn't want to play football anymore. Rat. Yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, t- then Clay Matthews called him a rat. <laughs> rat emoji <laughs> treatment. Well, I don't know if it was to Schefter or to whoever talked to Schefter. Huh. Right, you gotta, you you, two, there were two rats, though, on the emoji. Oh, so I think it was one, was Schefter. one each. Yeah, but maybe it was two sources. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't, I, I don't want to no, assume yeah, anything, yeah. by the way, because yeah. guess who did that? Chef, Chef got that. Oh, right. yeah, and, yeah, and pissed off a lot of people. Mistake. Let's go to Rule in California. Spelled R-O-U-U-U-L on here. Oh, it's Raul. It's Raul. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody guessed. guess. so insensitive. Raul, what do you want to talk about, brother? Sorry about that. Jesus. Hey, Pat. I just want to tell you that. Thank you for, like, Give me three hours of entertainment while I'm working. It's the best thing. I wake up every morning. I go to work. I put on my podcast, which is you. And it's great, man. I just want to say thank you for that. Well, Raul, we appreciate you for listening. I was told that people in California hate our show because every once in a while we'll say the F word. And it's early morning. Oh, yeah. True. Hey, man. I don't care. I'm an Indianapolis Colts fan from California. I get all this hate. And I'm currently working. But I have a quick question, Pat. Um, how did you feel in that wild card game in 2013 when Andrew Luck defeated the Kansas City Chiefs with Alex, with Alex Smith a 44 to 45 victory? How did you feel? What were we down like 24 or something oh, like that? 35 nothing. I thought. I look. I don't know. It was big. We were Huge. down a lot. Thanks for the call, Raul. And uh, I thought he was going to say the F word whenever he fucked those people. Yeah, 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 it was open. Uh, Raul probably is a very nice guy and doesn't swear, like everybody else on this 28 channel. 28 points. Which I was not told about, by the way, whenever I was dropped in this channel, that nobody on this channel swears. And I could see how that could be a bit alarming if you've been listening to this channel. <laughs> but, hey, just want to let you know, 95 more weeks, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry, after the late. 90, 94 90, more yeah. weeks. Ah, you're almost in the next there. two years. 28 points we were down. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, 28 points down. That was awesome. There was actually an onside kick called in the second half at one point that I checked out of because we didn't have the look. And as soon as I kicked it deep, everybody said, right move, right move. I was like, yeah, but if we lose and I didn't empty the barrel in the gun, am I a coward? So I'm very happy that we came back there and made that happen. But going into the third quarter, we were down 21. Then we threw a pick or something like that and go down 28. It was like whenever we thought it couldn't get any worse, it got worse. But that, that was the difference with Andrew Luck. Every single game we were in with Andrew Luck. It just felt like that. That's the game where he did the Superman dive over Mike McGlynn. He picked up the fumbled uh, running back fumble, and he dives in. I mean, that was a magical moment. It sucks for Alex Smith and Andy Reid and Kansas City Chiefs at that point. I assume the fans as well. But what a magical game. Is there any games you remember that you thought you guys were out of and then you make a magical comeback? Because, by the way, on the defensive side of the ball, doesn't get talked about enough. Like in those Chiefs comebacks, everybody's like, you know what? The Chiefs can score 28 whenever they need to score it. It's like, yeah, the defense also has to stop what they've not been able to stop immediately if you want to make it happen oh man i mean it's yeah you're right the defense is probably going to need to get a turnover or two if you're getting if you're down 21 or 28 yeah i mean i was aaron Rodgers was the quarterback when i was there so yeah we had plenty of uh, <laughs> come from behind victories one that definitely sticks out though we were in dallas and matt flynn started because aaron was hurt i don't, I don't remember the year we were down a good chunk and flynn is from texas he was, it was his second stint coming back with Green Bay, and he had a hell of a day, and we ended up winning the game, I, I believe. But it was a uh, – yeah, I know we won, but I don't know how much we were down. But Flynn was the – he was the hero for a day in his home state. We had the largest comeback in playoff history at the time. I'd assume that somebody might have beat that. I, I don't know. It was a really, really cool moment. I think my favorite comeback, though, involves the guy you mentioned there, Aaron Rodgers. Chicago Bears opening yeah. week a couple years ago. Uh, he yeah. goes in at halftime, hurt or whatever, oh, yeah. and then he comes in the third quarter. He parts the seas as if he's Jesus coming out of the cave, and then all of a sudden it's just ding, 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 yeah. ding, ding. And then afterwards, he's just kind of like, yeah, I knew I could feel a little something. Maybe I thought there was a chance there. I'm enjoying the hell, by the way. I'm enjoying the hell out of people learning about Aaron Rodgers as the person here from our show. A lot of people telling me, hate listening to Aaron Rodgers on Tuesdays because it makes me like him as a human. Yeah. And uh, that. that's our job, I think, AJ. Weird how that works, huh? Yeah, I mean it's it's the same thing to weird where, how that works. <laughs> weird how that works when you act, if you like you see what a person's really like and you're like, oh, actually, I really like this person. Oh, instead of what is presented or what you present, I guess through mainstream media. Oh, that's weird. The people that potentially have an agenda against a guy didn't portray him in the exact light that he actually is. Huh. Oh, he's actually cool. Oh, wait a minute, this hey. selfish asshole isn't like that. Yeah. That's weird. Whoa, what? Are you sure. And that's 2020, baby. Yeah. Hey, that's 2020. Hey, you talked about Tiki, right? Tiki and Saquon? Yeah. I, I, I read some of Tiki's comments, and he, Tiki said, like, well, I, I remember when I had fumbling issues, a member of the press sat me down and said, I'm going to write this story about your fumbling issues. And I was thinking, what? What are you talking about? I don't have fumbling issues. Like, he said, and I'm glad because he made me aware of my fumbling issues, so maybe that's what I'm doing for Saquon. I was like, you, you didn't know that you fumbled on a consistent basis more than other running backs, and you don't think Saquon knows, like, if there's something he needs to work on, it's obviously pass blocking. Like, that's that's probably the toughest thing to pick up, too, when you're a rookie, or not, he's not a rookie, but when you're a running back in the NFL, of course, he knows that. Like, it's not like you're making Saquon aware of something. Also, he had 37 Steelers defenders every time he touched the ball that yeah. were surrounding him. I don't want to talk bad about Tiki because I've actually I've had great conversations with Tiki. I yeah. I enjoy him in the media, and I wasn't around whenever he was playing, so I don't have any personal stories or anything like that. But th what he did is the exact reason why a lot of players 
hate players that go into media. And I said this in the last hour, guys forget how hard it is to be in the NFL and how hard it is to win and how hard everything is and how, like, like I think that gets forgotten on some guys whenever they get in front of these microphones and they just start being like, well, yes, do this, yes, do this, you should do this. And, and the guys in the locker room are like, man, do you not... We're trying, dude. Like, what are you like? These people are getting paid on the other side of the ball, too. Like, relax. And I think the interesting thing about Tiki coming out and saying that if it wasn't for the media telling him about his fumbling issues, he would have never known. Gary Vee said it this morning on Good Morning America. True. Mm-hmm. Self-awareness is the most important thing to having success in absolutely anything. Yep. I think Saquon is a very self-aware person. And I think Saquon answered that thing perfectly. And uh, I hope it makes him better. And maybe he'll talk to Tiki again. But I would assume that's potentially a relationship that is always going to be a scarred one. I would assume that's going to be a scarred one. Yeah, that's a tough one to come back from, just like you. I think uh, you can hold that one in the back of your brain for a, a long time if you're Saquon Barkley. What do you mean? I don't have any problems with Tiki or Saquon. Not, no, neither of them. I'm saying how you hold a grudge. Like you're, You will hold a grudge for life. Joining us right now is a man who's a 10-time Pro Bowler, 8-time All-Pro, a member of the All-Decade team. He played 10,363 consecutive snaps. Now Joe Thomas is an NFL Network analyst, and you can follow him on Twitter at JoeThomas73. You can see Joe throughout the season on NFL Network's NFL Game Day kickoff every Thursday at 6 p.m. Also a Titan, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Thomas. Yeah! Oh, I was looking for the applause to you. Sorry. No, no. The guys in here clapped. You didn't have to clap for yourself. But if I was you, I'd clap for me all the time. Um, Joe, I would like to talk about the Browns, your performance on NFL Network. You do great. But I have to ask you about the Titan games first. Did you know it was going to be as miserable whenever you signed up? Because I watched you. I've watched Victor Cruz on there. I watched everybody else. I would puke. That seems a lot harder than than I would have ever imagined. Did you know what you were signing up for whenever you said, yes, I would do that? Absolutely not. There's a reason they don't tell you what you're in for because nobody would sign up for it. (laughs) It was legitimately brutal. I mean, if you can imagine a football player is – you know, five, six seconds if it's a really long play for an offensive lineman, and you push yourself as hard as you can for five or six seconds, you're going to be really tired. Well, the Titan Games competition in Mount Olympus was like three and a half minutes straight, and it was just one obstacle after another of pushing yourself to exhaustion to the point where once I got to the last obstacle, which was like that ball and chain drag, I started losing coordination. Like my hands weren't working. Oh, no. working. It was to the point where my brain wasn't getting the oxygen it needed and I was actually dying. And so knowing that, I don't think I would sign up for something like that again. I, was I am pretty dumb because I'm an offensive lineman and if they came calling, I... Who knows? I might make the same mistake. I was actually dying. <laughs> Titans, man. Turns out not. No. Joe, how would your old body, how would your, uh, when you were playing the NFL body, have done? Would it have done better or worse, you think, in Titan games? Oh, uh, much worse. The, like the little cages that they made you crawl through were such an advantage for these small guys. And so even though I'm about 50 pounds less than I used to be, it was still really a challenge for me to wedge my little my big body into those little spaces to try to get through like a little hamster going up and down these little HVAC ramps. Uh, it was tough. And I definitely don't think that 
Fat Joe would have even fit into those teams. <laughs> hey, well, Fat Joe had a hell of a career, and Fat Joe played for the Cleveland Browns for a very long time, and Fat Joe did not make the playoffs. So let's talk about Skinny Joe watching the current Cleveland Browns with Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski. Now you got Andrew Barry running the thing. What does the future look like for the Browns? Was last night just a picture of it? A lot of run game. Let's go ahead and ground and pound. We'll use the play action to help us. Is Baker Mayfield, in your eyes, the future for the Cleveland Browns at quarterback? What do you think happens inevitably? Well, that's the recipe for success in this offense. You, you guys know that this is an offense that features the running game. They're going to feature the outside zone. They've got two great running backs in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And everything starts with running the football because that's what allows them to throw the play action pass to get a lot of those big chunks down the field when the linebackers are sucking up on the, on the line of scrimmage. They're worried about filling into their gaps uh, in the run game. Those safeties got their eyes in the backfield because they're getting hammered on the sideline about flying down there and eliminating the run game. That's when you can throw the football up top, and that's when the Browns are going to be at their best. And that's what we saw last night from uh, Baker Mayfield and the Browns against the Bengals. He was exceptional in play-action pass in the first half. That's what allowed uh, Odell Beckham to get involved and to score that long touchdown down the sideline. So um, if they're able to run the football, that gives Baker and that offense a lot of things that they can do. But if they have to be a traditional offense where Baker's going to be forced to stand in the pocket and throw the ball 61 times like Joe Burrow did last Ooh. night, that's not going to be a, a great recipe for success. I've got a lot of confidence in Baker after what we saw last night. I think it's a lot safer to say that he's going to be the franchise quarterback for the long term. But this is going to be that make or break year for Baker. Week one was not very good. Week two, totally different story. I think the the story remains to be written for the rest of the oh. season on what is going to happen with Baker long term. Because he played great as a rookie, not great in your second year. But the third year is always the most important year for a quarterback. Because after this year, that's when they need to decide if they pick up that fifth year contract. Joe, how do they win games? Like, will they be able to consistently win games if they are somewhat one dimensional? Like you said, they need to run the ball and work play action off of that. Let's say a team takes that away. Can they still win games if Baker does kind of have to be that pocket passer? Huh? Well, I think we saw last year with Jimmy G and uh, the San Francisco 49ers running the same offense that it's hard to take that away, right? Because if you want to take away the running game and you really commit all your resources to that, the Browns have Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, and they can still run play action when there's an eight-man box. That's actually the best way to run it because you've got those guys already down close to the line of scrimmage. And even though you aren't maybe running the ball efficiently, when you're an offense that commits to running the ball 30 times a game, no matter how the outcome is of those runs, those teams still have to bring those guys up to the line of scrimmage. And the Browns do have the weapons uh, at receiver to be able to make teams pay. So I'm not really concerned as much about what teams are going to try to take away as I am, how well the Browns are able to execute and stick to their game plan. Hey, I'd like your take on that make or break for bake thing that you just said there. Um, so Baker Mayfield year three here is going to have to show obviously that he's the quarterback moving forward because the selection and the opportunity to get the fifth year option is in the team's hands this offseason. Do you think that's a number of games won? Do you think it's like, hey, it looks like he's potentially good? What do you think Andrew Barry is going to be judging that off of? And I would assume the entire city of Cleveland is also doing the same damn thing every single game. Like, is this our guy or is this not our guy? Yeah, absolutely. It's not a wins thing because quarterback is the most important position on the field. They have easily the most influence 
on the outcome of the game, but it's not everything. And, and really, this is Baker's first year in this offense. He's in his third year in the NFL. He's had four offensive coordinators in three years, and so it's it wouldn't be good. fair to expect him to be a finished product that's leading his team to victory every single week. Uh, and so measuring him by wins and losses, I don't think it's fair. It's going to be a look thing. It's going to be his comprehension, his understanding of the offense and the decision-making. And a lot of that stuff is really only going to be known within the walls in Berea and, and the Browns front office and coaching staff, because they're the ones coaching him up every single week and determining is he picking it up? Is he making the right decisions? Is he throwing the football where he should? Is he showing the leadership at that quarterback position that he needs to? Those are the things that it's going to come down to. And those are not tangible things that we can touch and feel. And as fans, we love the touchy-feely stuff, the stats where we can easily point to this and have black and white uh, uh, decisions and opinions on players. But when it comes down to Baker Mayfield being that he is new in this offense and it's only his third year, at the end of the year, it's going to be that hey, you know when you see it type thing. Joe, I know you played for, for multiple uh, head coaches. 38. I'm not trying to get you to name any names. I wanted to like reference Stefanski and what he does for the team, but how weird is it, I guess, when, a, when you have a whole new regime come in? Is there times where sometimes you're like, okay, this isn't going to work? Like, do you ever know early on? That <laughs> this, this guy stinks! <laughs> you know, uh, it's happened before. You know, you get the coach that comes in and you're just like, dude is way over his head um but i will say there are moments that sometimes you you have that uh, this is never going to work and it proves you wrong 2014 uh mike Pettin was the head coach and this is not about mike but uh, kyle shanahan was our offensive coordinator and training camp and then preseason we had four preseason games unlike this year at the end of the preseason, Alex Mack came up to me, who was our center at the time, and, and he was like, how do you think you're, we're going to be? You know, you've been around a long time. You've had a lot of coaches. And I go, I think we're going to be lucky if we win one game. I mean, we look terrible. Like, we couldn't get the ball back to the line of scrimmage. We couldn't organize a screen. We had no ability to throw the football down the field. We were missing checks. We were jumping off sides. And I, I had no confidence in what we were going to do. Uh, and sure enough, first half of the first game, we sucked. We were down by like 30 against the Steelers <laughs> in the first half. But all of a sudden, we went into the locker room, we came out, and we just said, screw it. We're just going to run the football. We're just going to get up and into our turbo offense, which you heard Baker Mayfield say a lot last night, which, which meant we're just going to hurry up. We're going to get to the line of scrimmage. Kyle Shanahan at the time would stand way back so he could see the defense. And Troy Palomalo was playing for the Steelers at the time. And so whatever side Troy came down to uh, from his safety position, we were running away from him. And so literally Kyle would stand back there because he could still talk to the quarterback, who was Brian Hoyer at the time, and he would tell him basically go left or go right. And then we'd quickly check away from Troy and we'd run the ball outside zone one way or the other. And it was like all of a sudden it just clicked. Everybody all of a sudden saw what Kyle's vision was for that offense, and you understood your own little 111th role for that offense, and it was beautiful. And we actually had the most success that I had uh, in my career since my rookie year, and it was my second most win total of my 11-year career, which is really not saying much. I <laughs> how but many? Still, how we many? had way more success than I thought and way more success than I anticipated when we were in training camp. How many wins that year? I think we won seven. I think we were Let's seven. Go! Let's go! Yay! We're the best. 
Hey, uh, a lot of comments in the YouTube uh, about the books that are behind you because AJ has the same books every single day behind him and he refuses to bring any of them out. Yeah. None of them have titles on them. Be for, for you, it does look like those are books that you have read. Are you a, a, a astute reader or that just for optics? Uh, I'm not a big reader. Uh, I don't read well. I went to a Big Ten school, but uh, <laughs> I, love, I love AJ's move there. The boss move of turning the titles around. So nah, you yeah. just think they're like ancient books that don't even have a binder on them. They don't even have any words. AJ, will you grab just one nuts. of those books for us? Uh, will, you, will you grab oh, one of those books? I think, uh, well, let me look. Oh, Pat, Goodwill, yeah. He got those in like the five cent bin at Goodwill, right? He's oh, like, I, I, I need to fill one these here. bookshelves. Yeah. Oh, my brother, actually, that author, Ryan Hawk. <laughs> wow. Hey, get wow. that green one right over your shoulder. Get that green one. That's the one I want to see. Get that green that one right Oh, no, there's one. There's one. Oh. Wow. That's unbelievable. I'll put it back in the shelf. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's very nice of you. Uh, Joe, what we're saying is yours look like real books. AJ's are clearly <laughs> fake. The um, Real fake. The working at NFL Network, have you... What has that process been like? Because everywhere is obviously different. And I don't know if you assumed you were going to get in the media or not whenever you're done. Now you're at NFL Network. Great cast and crew. I watched you guys last night. Uh, how has it been at the NFL Network? Have you enjoyed it? Is media something you will stick with, you think, throughout your entire retirement here? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the cool thing about being sort of semi-retired uh, at 35, 36 is I, I kind of have the ability to choose what I want to do. And I, I knew I wanted to make my kids and my family pr priority when I left the game because that wasn't my priority when I was playing. Um, and so I just kind of stumbled into the media thing and I'm like, hey, man, this is actually pretty cool. Like I get to still be around the game of football. I get to talk about football, hang out with the guys, talk trash and, you know, get paid. And so uh, the family at NFL Network has actually been really awesome. There's a lot of really cool players that uh, former players that are there but also a lot of the other hosts that didn't play i've developed really cool relationships with um but i tell you doing thursday night football remotely from your house when you're basically on a zoom meeting with everybody it has been a little bit challenging I'm, I'm sure you guys have felt that a little bit during this pandemic when you can't be in the same place and you're trying to do a show especially a show that features some type of interviews just the whole directing traffic and making sure you're not stepping on each other's toes and talking over each other. It definitely is something that takes a little bit of practice. And I'm sure we're going to be a lot better in week two than we were in week one. But uh, more than anything, we're just trying to produce a fun and entertaining show. And it helps having a couple of goofballs like myself and Steve Smith and uh, Michael Irvin, who ate a turkey sandwich at halftime and nice. he left. Like a nice little bit of turkey right there on his lips when we came back on air, which uh, gave us all a few good chuckles and uh, sent the Twitterverse into outer space. I would assume Michael Irvin, anything he does is pretty good. And anytime you can get some goofballs on TV is always good news. We're all on the same playing field. 2020 guys did a great job yesterday. I assume week two will also be great. Ladies and gentlemen, guaranteed Hall of Famer whenever time comes, Joe Thomas. Yes. Thank, you. Oh, oh, Thank you, Joe. Have a good one, Bob. I think we should preview some week two matchups that we have. There's a lot of games going down. Falcons at Cowboys. I like the Falcons because Ooh. Darius Butler said that Matt Ryan's going to throw all over the Cowboys. That's your Super Bowl pick. Do you think Cowboys bounce back quickly? 
Um, yeah, I think they do. I mean, the Falcons gave up four touchdown passes to Russell Wilson last week. I understand it was Russell Wilson and how special he is. But no, I think I think it's going to, uh, you know, Dak's going to try to run the ball with Zeke. And then when he has his opportunities, he'll take him. I think Dak's going to do well. All right, Panthers at Bucks. Bucks minus eight and a half. I like the Tampa Bay Q Gronkineers. Uh, eight and a half is a lot of points, though. I'm probably not going to bet on that one. Uh, Lions at Packers. Packers minus six and a half. Lions are banged up in the back end. I would assume Aaron potentially throws for four, five, seven, eight hundred yards. AJ. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the yeah. plan, right? They are banged up in Detroit. This is uh I guess it could be like a, a franchise-saving win if they could find a way to beat Green Bay. That's not going to happen. Broncos, at, <laughs> that's a Lions fan, Evan Foxy. Broncos at Steelers. Steelers minus seven. I like the Broncos. I mean, I like the Steelers a lot as a team. I like the Broncos here. Let's go to the Jags at Titans. Titans minus seven and a half. Are the Jags the Jags or the Titans the Titans? Nobody knows. I'll stay away from that. Vikings at Colts. Colts will have 7,500 fans there. Colts are minus three. That makes no sense to me, A.J. No, it doesn't. But I, you know what? I think the fans help. How many did, did the Browns have? Like 6,000? Uh, you can mm-hmm. still hear them. I know they might be pumping in stuff, too. But I think even having, if it's 5,000 fans, I think it still makes a difference. And by the way, for the entertainment of the game, it makes it a lot better. Uh, Bills at Dolphins. Dolphins are plus six at home. They can't sell 13,000 tickets to their fans. Is Josh Allen great? We will find out. Giants at Bears. Bears are favored by five and a half. Who knows how that'll go? 49ers at Jets plus seven. I don't know if they had plus 70. This would matter. I think the Jets <laughs> lose by a lot here. Jay, your thoughts? Yeah, good chance. That's what it uh, it's setting up to be that way. But if if the Jets were ever going to beat the 49ers, it's right now. Uh, no Richard Sherman. George Kittle probably out against the Jets. He'll be back against the Giants. They're saying he's potentially going to play. Why risk it? If you have him out in the East Coast for two weeks, you're playing the Jets. Everybody on earth thinks they stink. Might as well just let him get ready for the next week. Football team at Cardinals. <laughs> Cardinals minus seven. Kyler Murray looked very good, but I like that Washington football team. Seven is a lot of points in my eyes. Rams at Eagles. Eagles minus one and a half against the Los Angeles Rams. Aaron Donald might eat that entire offensive line. Yeah, he might. Uh, let's see if they can find a way. The, the Rams, man, I think the Rams, if they do win this game, people are going to take them serious as legit contenders. This early in the year, I don't think the cross-country trip is that big of a deal. No, it's not a huge deal, especially everyone's been cooped up. They're probably excited to get, yeah. get on an airplane and travel a little bit. Ravens at Texans. Texans are plus seven against the Ravens. I'm going to stay away from that one because I don't think we know anything about the Texans. We know the Ravens are good. Chiefs at Chargers. Chargers plus eight and a half. Not going to be enough. Chiefs are going to potentially just route them. And then Sunday Night Football, Patriots at Seahawks. I like the Patriots plus four against the Seahawks a lot. No 12s in the stands, AJ. No 12s at all. None. Well, I, I like the Seahawks here. I'm not not taking the. I'm just straight up. I, I like the Seahawks. I think Russ is going to continue to do this. I hope they let Russ continue to throw. What? Let's Ru- let Russ cook. Is that the whole? That's the mantra going mm-hmm. on right now. Just let him throw the ball, man. Let him work his magic. That gives you the best chance to win. You know, I don't. I mean, that's a part of cooking. Yeah, they're mixing the eggs. It's like you're you're yeah. mixing up some muffins. Yeah, but anytime so. they say cooking, this is James Harden, uh, yeah. and, it, and I think it's because you're cooking up uh, baking soda, I believe, with the cocaine, which oh, makes it uh, oh. uh, the uh, the crack crack there. I believe that's what is Russell Wilson cooking up crack? Oh, oh. Uh, I wouldn't put it past him. So he'll probably do this then, as if he's flipping uh, pancakes yeah, or burgers. Yeah, I don't know if he's mixing in any baking soda, maybe Watchy. some crab cakes, something like that. Uh, I like the Patriots. You like them? You like the Seahawks to win? Patriots to cover? Is that what you said? Yeah, no, I don't know. I think the Seahawks, I, I like them to even cover. I don't get it. Oh, son of a... I think the Seahawks win. They're going to win by six or more. 
My super boost at FanDuel this weekend is the Chiefs minus eight and a half. That bet everywhere else is minus 110, which means you bet $100, you only win 90 bucks. At FanDuel, because it's my super boost, it is plus 150. Whoa. You bet 100, you win 150. Uh, you bet 50, you'll win $75. Let's have a day. Can't thank you enough for listening to this show this week. Um, we live a very dumb existence. The fact that our show does what it does, and the fact that people listen to it, we are eternally grateful. I hope you have an incredible weekend. I believe I'll be on game day tomorrow for a little bit. Then NFL Sunday is around the corner. Uh, from all of us to all of you, we hope you have the greatest weekend you've ever had in your entire life. Hashtag end of pod squad. Let us know where you're at, what you're doing. You can win some free merch. Uh, and aside from that, we'll see you back on Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. Be a friend, tell a friend. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music.